three, two, one. Hi and welcome to Unaware by Bee Physiology. We're not film critics, we're not philosophers, and we are not living with a disability. We do, however, have a very unique insight into the lives of the people that we work with. You're listening to Be Real, Series 1 of the Unaware Podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of Unaware by Bee Physiology. My name is AJ. And I'm Harry. And this is the official podcast. I can't remember if I've said that already. (laughs) (laughs) Of Bee Physiology. (laughs) And this is our first series uh, titled Be Real. Harry, do you want to explain to the good people at home what Be Real is uh, in reference to? All about? Yeah, all about. I'll tell you what it's all about. Uh, Be Real is a series where we break down... Uh, references from movies and TV shows about people with disabilities and relaying them to our professional lives and see if those actually check out to reality. So a lot of times Hollywood will embellish things and we're here to, I guess, see if they're actually on the mark with these things, if it's realistic in our world or is it unrealistic and this is what we actually think happens, so... Yeah, and in terms of what our world is, Harry and I are exercise physiologists. So what we do is we use exercise as a form of medicine and we use that to treat particular conditions. So yes, that falls into the realm of disability, but it could be something as simple, well, not necessarily simple, but cardiovascular disease, diabetes. Uh, We have a pretty broad spectrum, I guess, of conditions that we can work with, but in the context of our podcast, it will mostly align with, you know, People living with a disability or characters living with with a disability. Yeah, that's right. I think it's probably better. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Just a disclaimer, guys. We don't know everything. Uh, We're here to learn. We are not philosophers. We're not living with a disability. We're not film critiques. We do, however, have a very unique perspective of looking into the lives of the people that we work with. We look to analyze how, how disabilities we see uh, in real life are portrayed on the screen to not only uh, help us in practice but in everyday life. Yeah, perfect. And we always preface it as well by saying that we welcome any feedback that you guys have. You know, of course, we're going to say some things that uh, may be incorrect and we don't do that intentionally. We're not trying to lie to you. Um, <laughs> but if we ever do, please, please let us know um, and please enlighten us because as Harry said, we're, we're trying to better ourselves. We're trying to better our practice and, yep. and this is just one avenue for us to do that. And it's all, this is all about our experience and our knowledge as professionals. So you can only get better at that. So that's why we're here. I thought you nailed the uh, that intro today. That was good. Yeah. And I was, yeah, Thanks, you me. I was getting a lot better. Um <laughs> You should hear the other ones. <laughs> Horrible. No, no, no. They've all been good. But why don't you tell the? Uh, why don't you tell uh, everybody what movie? Yes. We will be covering today. Breath. 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 Is it breathe? It's breathe. It's with breathe. an e. It's breathe. Breathe is a movie about a young man called Robin Cavendish. Cavendish. Yes, Robin Cavendish. It's a true story as well. Yeah. So that's something to note. Played by actor. Andrew Garfield. Andrew Garfield. Not to be confused with Garfunkel. Or Andrew Morris. Or Andrew Morris. <laughs> He's also a pretty good actor. <laughs> Another one. He has polio, a- acute onset at... I think he's 28 years old. 28? Yeah, yeah, I think he's 28. So I had a look into the actual plot because it's not made entirely where in the movie, but I think he's over in Kenya yes. uh, at the point where he collapses mm-hmm. and then he's repatriated i think that's how you would say that word probably back to england yep um and obviously at that point um the condition is, is well and truly taken over yeah 
So spoiler alert, guys. If we do spoil something, we don't mean to, but it's just it'll be necessary for getting our point across. But uh, we we know we always recommend watching these movies, whether we we like them or not. It's just a good way to learn a little bit more about a, disab- a particular disability and broaden your horizons a little bit. So, but spoilers, yeah. generally. And look, we will go through, um, you know, how, how polio essentially works and how it affects the body. But I suppose as much as polio is uh, an elephant in the room during this movie, I think the big theme here is trying to provide, you know, innovation to, um, I suppose, people living with a disability at this time. So I think it's set and I think it sort of kicks off in the 60s. Yeah, it's like 50s, 60s type thing. It's yeah. a lot of tennis playing english people yeah in africa (laughs) is that a 50s thing i don't know Uh, essentially yeah so he's 28 uh he's just about to have a a child with his beloved that he has proposed to and everything and life's just about to kick off then all of a sudden wakes up in the middle of night and just has a uh, an attack where he faints his brother calls the ambulance and he wakes up in hospital and he's unable to move another big thing that i didn't really know about polio is that they were treated by putting heaps of ice on him yeah i didn't know what bed they were of doing ice that. to try and cool his core body temperature down i, I assume that might be a, a, a nervous inflammation thing but i didn't think twice about it i honestly yeah. was like old old times man old yeah. times old people just doing what Put they ice can on him. <laughs> yeah. Work. should we explain what polio is yeah, because I'm sure you've all heard the term polio before, mm-hmm. but I can imagine that very few of us have actually ever seen it uh, in the flesh. And there's good reason for that. And that is that polio, for the most part, has well, been eradicated. It was about 99% eradicated back in 1980. But yeah, and that was through vaccination. World, in the first world, yeah. So, And that's, what, and that's um, attributed to the vaccination of polio meningitis, me- melanitis, melanitis, I think it's the actual... Virus. It's a, it's a virus. Polyomyelitis. Myelitis. Yeah, that's one. Um, and well, the way that it actually works is it's transmitted through, I think, contaminated food, even feces, maybe. Yeah, yeah water. Yeah. Um, so there were there was a time where it was actually quite prevalent, uh, and yep. yeah, essentially Horrible. everybody was at risk. I mean, I Horrible wouldn't disease. compare it um, virus, in terms sorry. of extremities to coronavirus today, but in terms of how you would potentially go about trying to avoid. Polio, social distancing might have been one of the first things that yep. you could have looked at. I For suppose sure. it obviously just wasn't known well enough. But the way that the uh, condition works is essentially you will, yes, you'll con- be contaminate or become contaminated either through water or through food. Mm-hmm. Um, and the virus itself will, I think it enters the central nervous system. Yep. Uh, and then it will eventually start to break down the, the neurons in the from the central nervous system, yep. which will essentially break down your ability to engage your own body. And breathe. Yes. Yeah. Which yeah. is kind of where the, the movie leads. Another thing to mention is it's most like, it was most likely that, oh, I'm, and I guess it still is today, infants under the age of five were the most at risk to contract it. And it was actually called infantile paralysis back then before, or I guess before it was called polio virus, before they knew what it was. It was called infantile paralysis. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. So, um, I guess this movie really made me remember. I guess it reminded me, even though I wasn't alive back then, just how bad polio virus was. Um, it affected, you know, thousands of people across the world, and it was 
literally wake up one day and be paralyzed, you know, through no fault of your own. You've just literally drunk something that had that virus in it and it's attacked your central nervous system. Horrible virus. Horrible virus. Yeah, it's a pretty significant consequence for yeah something as simple as having a drink or basically being in contact with somebody else. Yep. Um, and for, um, first things first, when he does get emitted, he gets a tracheotomy. So they slice um, down his neck. I know now they slice across because it actually um, goes along with the rings in your trachea, you know, in your windpipe. Ah, uh, yep. Um, there's horizontal rings or transverse transverse rings. Um, so they slice horizontally. They feed a tube down to get air into the lungs because you don't have the capacity to do it with your nose and your mouth anymore. They put a balloon cuff in your trachea as well so no air can get up to your vocal cords and that's why you can't speak when you have a tracheotomy. And also they then attach that, that pipe to a breathing machine or a bag where they pump to push air into it. Yes, I think, yeah, initially, well, you do see uh, in the movie the manual ventilator and then also the, I suppose, the powered ventilator or the mechanical ventilator, uh, which we'll go on to talk about, you know, throughout the podcast here, but... It's it's also worth mentioning that people still get tracheotomies today, and it could be from a car crash if someone doesn't have the capacity to breathe and they need to breathe. Yep, tracheotomies happen today. I've had clients with the scars on their necks and stuff like that because of, you know, uh, accidents and injuries that they've had. If you've watched any medical show before, you've more than likely seen uh, exactly what we're talking track. about. Yeah, where yeah, someone's yeah. holding that bag and they're pushing it in and out. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's, yeah, as Harry said, providing air when somebody can't breathe for themselves. I suppose that the, where the movie starts to go from there is Robin, obviously the main character's wife, feels that he, uh, she can provide uh, in-home care for Robin, despite the fact that he's, you know, very clearly debilitated by mm-hmm. the polio disease. Um, and mainly, mainly, she wants to get him out because of the isolation. So they're essentially trying to keep her away from him. They're saying that he can't do anything. Just forget about him. Let him rot in this place. And right, she's, maybe she's we not having set any that either. context up of what life was like with polio for someone who was debilitated right. as Robin. Because I don't think we've touched on that yet. Good point. Uh, imagine a life in a hospital bed where you essentially cannot move for yourself. You can barely breathe for yourself. I don't think many people got to a point of being able to eat for themselves. I think they make a point of saying that swallowing is like a huge, when you get that huge back. accomplishment. Yep. yep. Yeah. Um, but yeah, most of the people in this movie, outside of the main character Robin, at least for the most part, um, their characters are forever inside a hospital bed. Yeah. And that is where the real theme of the movie is, which, as we said, is that innovation of technology mm-hmm. and and Robin really pushing the idea of what is possible um, to allow people with that condition to, I suppose, have a life. Well, just not be in a hospital bed for the rest of their lives because that's literally what would happen. You would be isolated. You wouldn't be allowed to see anyone and I don't even really understand the protocol. You know, um, my grandfather was in a a polio ward when he was young and I'll I'll mention some stuff later on but, you know, could have visitors, you know, a couple times a week or something like that but apart from that, you were just locked in this room, sometimes restrained to a bed, you know. It's, It's crazy. Yeah, I mean, there, there's uh, a scene later on in the movie um, where uh, Robin's character is overseas. I think he's in Germany at the time, and you see how the condition is still being treated over there. And it is, 
crazy. Yeah. yeah, it almost looks like you've entered the Matrix. But yep. Yeah, that's right. Entered the Matrix, left the Matrix. You've left the Matrix. You took yeah. the blue pill. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're no longer having a good time. You know, it's, <laughs> it's all, you know, destruction. But yeah, they're all slotted into the walls, like little capsules, and they're just lying there with, you know, machines up to their necks and they're, you know, looking into a mirror as most of their, you know, there's people in there. So it's it's a weird science experiment, it seems like. You know, it's just like a weird thing that people just got lumped into. Oh, you got polio? Great. In you go. In you go. Yeah. Can of sardines type thing. And so. to think that that was, you know, essentially like 60 years ago. Uh, when oh, this we've was come. Still, yeah, we've come a long a way. A long way, yeah. Uh, and you want to talk about iron lungs a little bit? Yes. So they're like a negative pressure dome that people would wear over their chests and essentially would simulate breathing yeah so the way that the lungs actually work and excuse me if i muffle my words here but um essentially like they work along a pressure gradient so uh, you know when the pressure inside the lungs exceeds that of the pressure outside or in the atmosphere air will move out and vice versa so it's basically just constantly matching the pressure gradient and i think these machines and i'm trying not to oversimplify it but that's the best way that i can do it <laughs> um is they provide a pressure gradient um to the lungs from inside the capsule yeah. am i on the right track i think ben? that's perfect because you know oxygen will move to that l- lower pressure zone yeah yeah simple science yeah <laughs> <laughs> And as Harry said, I mean, like the way that the polio works is, you know, it, it breaks down the, your, your ability to use, your, you know, skeletal muscle, but it also breaks down your ability to, you know, engage, or not necessarily engage, but automatically, or we would say uh, autonomously engage your respiratory muscles. Right, yeah. Um, so somebody with polio, in, in, you know, immediately goes onto these breathing ventilators mm-hmm. uh, for the sake of survival. Without them, they, they die. Yeah, and that's just that. You know, that's, there's no, that w- there was no other option. And that's what this whole movie is based around because technology wasn't as adapt, uh, as, um, you know, progress as it is today, obviously. And it's just improving by leaps and bounds. Uh, every day, new things and new discoveries are being made. And thank God for that because, you know, looking back at even the, you know the um the progression of and the evolution of a wheelchair you know it the wheelchairs they use in the movie are these you know big clunky wheelchairs now they're streamlined they're efficient they're the pillows are have uh the cushions sorry have particularly designed gels so that you don't get pressure sores and things like that because guarantee you back then Rolling and rolling around one of those wheelchairs, pressure sores would be a huge issue, and you'd need to be rolling from side to side all the time. And you know that's not something that they show in the movie, but it's something to be aware of. Yeah, not quite at this stage or where the movie is set. Um, but in research for this podcast, I actually had to look at a bit of a timeline for for wheelchairs and some of the earlier models. They look dead uncomfortable, and you're, you're like for anyone, uh, I suppose, in the industry or anybody with a disability that has ever had to deal with it or is aware of it. Pressure sores are a huge consideration. Huge. And yeah. looking at any uh, wheelchair that's like pre 1930s, yep. it just seems like an inevitability. Oh, it's waiting to happen. Yeah. Yeah, exactly right. And pressure sores are so debilitating because if you don't feel, you know, if you're we're sitting down on this chair, we 
you know, the amount of times I've changed position on this chair already, I, I probably can't count, but I can probably look back and have a, and see how many <laughs> I've actually done. But every time you move, you're adjusting the pressure areas through your hips. If you just are sitting here and you don't have the option to do that, the pr- high pressure area just starts damaging the tissue underneath the skin. That continues to happen until it becomes a wound underneath the skin. And that can grow to the size of a fist before it breaks out. And then all of a sudden you have this extremely infected and open wound on someone that can literally take... uh, And because of low circulation and blood flow to these areas as well, can literally take years to, to heal which it's crazy yeah i mean and for you know harry and i as the example um harry said how he's he's basically moved his bum around i'm sure i've done the same uh, a few times already it's not a conscious decision to do that we have sensory innovation that essentially signals our brain to to readjust whereas a lot of people who suffer from you know these pressure sores uh it comes on account of the fact that they don't Uh, quite have the sensory innovation to realize that they're putting a lot of pressure in one area or sustaining pressure in one area. So chair setup is super important to try and avoid those things. Yeah, so the evolution of the wheelchair has been a great thing to avoid things like pressure sores from becoming the the death of someone because they definitely have been the death of many people in the past. And if I can nerd out for a second, or not necessarily nerd out, Please, but um, go Please. through, or we just have a quick breakdown of like what the you know the evolution of the wheelchair, the wheelchair that you know it today, or that you know today, um, in terms of one that folds into itself and can fit into a car, they were actually first coming around in like the 1930s. Granted, they weren't as comfortable, mm. um, and but even beyond a point of using like a wooden seat. Um, yeah, the 1930s, you would you would basically see a wheelchair that looks pretty similar to what we look at today. Yeah, right. Um, and from there, you know, going into the 1950s or 60s, I think is when the power chair first came about as well. So it's weird to think that, you know, we're going to talk about how far technology has come from what is set in the movie, hmm. but then also some of the technology that's around at that time is still very much being used today. Yeah, I mean... Uh, tweaks and adjustments and um, you know trying to pick on the problems but yeah bare bones it's literally the same thing nothing's gone too far except for some things actually yeah so there are some some innovations that we might mention a little bit more (laughs) later on but um, yeah that have started to now really move past the initial I guess, knowledge of what mobility is or how someone can be mobile. Mm. So, yeah, and it really gets down to the physiology of the injury as well, which is super interesting to us, at least. So, (laughs) (laughs) Another thing to mention as well that during COVID, ventilators were such a huge thing. In this movie, ventilators are such a huge thing. And they actually started bringing back iron lungs, those negative pressure things, back into use in Canada and in the States as well. So this was on account of the fact that they just didn't have enough Enough. ventilators. And it's a cheap cheap kind of rudimentary way to get it done. So that's when they were like, we need more ventilators. Iron lungs were reintroduced back into, so like digging up some fossil from the past. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. get someone on it, so yeah. Especially when you see uh, the, like the iron lung that we're talking about and you imagine it's essentially like a, 
a big coffin uh, with a head sticking out of it. Yeah. Yeah. And you just Not have to, to say that it's a death sentence to be in there. That's we just have to lie there as well. Yeah, I don't no. think that I could do that for no. more no than an hour. Yeah. There's no way, man. Torture. Absolute torture. There actually was one little point in the movie. So in the movie, he's all about trying to get out of this isolation. He doesn't want to be stuck in a hospital where he never sees his loved ones. He won't see his child grow up because his wife was pregnant by when he contracted polio. And he is going to live a life. You know, he was an adventurous guy. He's going over to Kenya and everything before this happens. And all of a sudden, you're stuck in this room. He essentially defied the rules in a way. The rules, but not the laws. So the rules were, you stay here. And the law was, you can't hold someone prison prisoner you know that so he ran that line he went i'm getting out of here he looked he got friends involved that and he had a really good supporting network of friends and obviously a very supportive wife um, that built him a wheelchair that had the ventilator onto it and it was the first one of its type as well and he created that archetype and then pushed that across the world. Yeah, he pioneered it. He, he went on to you know, sort, I suppose, or seek funding for his idea and try to make it more accessible, which yep. I'm sure is another point that we'll touch on, which is these like pretty amazing innovations that I suppose more than anything now require funding. Like there are oh, you know, yeah. definitely some steps to take, um, but I think... And technology is so expensive and it would have been back then as well, oh. but it's crazy, especially the depth or the heights i should say of that technology is at at the moment and the things they're trialing it, money has to be no object really to get anywhere yeah well i mean at no point would, would you ever question the intelligence of uh, a doctor um and the, the doctor yeah. in this movie he's pretty adamant that uh robin's character or not character he's a real human being yeah. but robin would die within i think it's like two weeks two of weeks, leaving yeah. the hospital he's you know he's told immediately that with with two minutes without that ventilator he's dead um and you do see uh moments in the film where the ventilator you know on account of yeah was unplugged by the dog or something like that yeah and he's purely by luck the wife was able to come back and and rescue him but in real life i don't know if that particular thing happened but that stuff would have happened all the time he would have been good at holding his breath because even when you're cleaning the tube and stuff like that which you have to do daily you know you got to be holding your breath i guess skip too far ahead to the innovations of today yeah but i feel like there's a really good segue here which is when that happens in the film mm-hmm. and the the respirators unplugged, or the ventilator, sorry, not the respirator, because I think there is a difference. I think the respirator is like that gas mask that you use to uh, avoid oh, noxious right. gases. Probably, I've definitely probably been interchanging those. I've, like I've noticed. Idiot. I haven't noticed. No one else has. No. So in the mo- in the movie, when that actually happens and the and the res- ventilator is unplugged, it is a catalyst for this innovation, I guess, where uh, Robin's like, well, I need to get some sort of way of. Uh, garnering attention should I ever need it and that's when he and his mate develop the like bell which he will sort of get with like a bit of a head wobble it's like yeah. the fatty vorton like ding ding yeah. Yeah, that's um, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and yeah without going too far away from the movie just yet um, some of those head movements these days are being used with much greater technological advances mm-hmm. um, so I think it's the gyro wheelchair yeah, yeah, true. Um, yep. Where the head movement is used to control the chair in some senses or, or body movements. Yep. So, 
So if someone is, say, paralyzed uh, from, you know, the shoulders down, it's a weight distribution thing. So you calibrate it to what kind of weight, you sh- where you shift your weight. And if you are leaning your head forward or leaning your body forward slightly, it'll roll forward, bring it back, it'll roll back side to side. And it's, yeah, they're pretty amazing, those, those particular little things. I have no idea how the engineering works, but crazy cool innovation that, you know, hopefully is... It's not perfected yet, but hopefully is in some final models, I guess, when they really crack the code. Yeah, and I'm not saying that like a bell that you hit with your head is at the same level of innovation <laughs> as what Harry's talking about there, but I am leaning towards that <laughs> point. I would like to push that point. <laughs> no, but you're right. It's It's got to start somewhere. And realizing that the potential of that guy to move his head, that's what he has, what can you do with that? And that's literally where all those inventions that we have today have sprout from. What do you have? If you have something, let's use that. If it, is it eye movement? Now you can drive things with eye movements. You can use computers with eye movements and things like that in terms of typing and things. What do you have and how can we make it, how can we make your life uh, more uh, independent and so you can gain some kind of autonomy back? Yeah. Mm. That's crazy. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) I think I cut you off before you were, before I started on that little uh, tangent. Sorry, where where were you going previously? Uh, No idea. No idea. idea. But um, actually, there was actually one thing in the movie that was quite funny, how they ripped the door frame off. So they fly overseas and they can't get in the front door of the place. And we've talked about this on other, um, uh, on another podcast, but they just kind of get a, a crowbar and jimmy the door frame off the door and voila, you can actually get in. They all kind of sneak into the room because they don't want to tell the hotel that they had to rip the door frame off to actually get him in. But those little things, you're like if you're in a wheelchair, you'd have to do little things like that all the time just to use your surroundings a little bit better. So, yeah, just worth mentioning. Yeah, not that we, uh, not that we would like people out there ripping off door I'm frames. Not, yeah, I yeah. mean, I've never done it. But cool. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So one of the issues that he comes along with is in terms of uh, dying when he's on a ventilator later on the movie is internal hemorrhaging of uh, in his lungs when the surface of the lungs becomes um, irritated, they say, and uh, causes lesions, which then bleed. The blood fills the lungs, and yeah, and this is on account of long-term um, use, use of events. Yeah, long. So I think yeah. this is at least. I think it's 30, another twenty. Yeah, twenty thirty, 30 years, years after the initial diagnosis. Yeah. So, but kind of moving forward into the story, uh, he's pushing for these mobile ventilators, and he's flying overseas, and he's tripping with his family. He's live a great life. And he has um, come to a point where he is finished. And, you know, spoilers, spoilers, obviously. He, he wants to pass away. A lot of people have their opinions on that. And, you know, it's not something that we're going to get too far into today. But euthanasia is actually legal in a couple states in Australia. I think Northern Territory or something like that, you know, within reason, unless my Googling is way off. I think there is some kind of way to do it here. Yeah, he essentially 
decides that it's time for him to go um, after being told that he was supposed to die 40 years ago and then every day since then. So it's quite a powerful message that he just defied defied the medical world for so long. And he and at the end, you know, he's he's seen as this not miracle but such a um uh is it a medical enigma that he was something, able to yeah. survive? Yeah, yeah something I think like he's that. spoken yeah pretty highly of in terms of his ability to survive. Yep. Um and that's yeah. actually survive is the it's a good word to have used there because I think there's actually a quote in the movie where he says he wants to live and not just survive. Survive, yeah, that's and right. And like I said, and that is and the catalyst for all of did. the innovations that happen here is that he was either going to survive confined to a hospital bed or he was going to take a chance, potentially die, mm-hmm. um, but also uh, live. live a normal life. Yep. Um, and yeah. it's, it, is a, it, is a, it is a great movie, I guess, to watch in that regard. Yeah. But the thing we really got from it as uh, exercise physiologists is uh, paralysis is a problem that a lot of technological companies are trying to solve which is fantastic. So there's a few that spring to my mind straight away. One is the innovation of wheelchairs that we've talked about before. And there's a wheelchair called the Suo. Yes, Suo, yeah. Suo and, you know, we've talked about in the past how wheelchairs, such a big issue, even getting up one stair. This chair in particular climbs flights of stairs. Yeah, and it's actually like a, um, I, from what I saw of it, it looked as if it was almost one of those like GoFundMe. It's not on GoFundMe, but essentially uh, this is like a right. independently um, engineered piece of equipment mm-hmm. uh, that they are essentially trying to push for uh, greater availability. And if you check it out on YouTube, if you, it's S-C-E-W-O, yep. you'll see what the, the chair does. And it has some pretty crazy capabilities that yep. we've... I suppose touched on in other podcasts that are considerations for people uh, that mobilize using wheelchairs. So going upstairs or getting Mm -hmm. on and off public transport, um, they're things that are essentially like showcased in the the teaser for this piece of equipment. And and one thing to just go back on when you mentioned um, the... Uh, the process of it's a GoFundMe and they're trying to get more funding. That's literally what happens in the movie with the oh, yeah. um, the the ventilator wheelchairs. So, so fingers lines crossed. Up, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Might be in another movie yeah. in about 40 years. <laughs> yeah, <that's laughs> um, but, you know, awesome bit of in- innovation and best of luck to them, I guess. Yeah, one of the pieces of equipment that I thought was really, really cool and um, I think it's something that's almost been hypothesized for a while and not necessarily just in the context of disability, but like an exoskeleton, uh, which is like essentially a piece of equipment that will, I suppose, surround the body Mm -hmm. and act as a motor or a vehicle for that body to to move or to function. So somebody who might have spinal cord injury and is not uh, capable of innovating from the waist down using an exoskeleton could essentially mobilize. Yes, yeah. So there are some there are some big names like Rewalk and I've just gapped, but lightweight exoskeletons that you can get out of bed in the morning, strap into and then, you know, have a control in your hand or some of them are also gyro like weight distributed control and stuff like that. Voice command as well is a big thing now. And then, you know, you can get up, stand up and walk around your apartment 
do whatever because you have this bionicle suit like attached to your legs. Right, which is crazy. Just Iron Man. Yeah. That's what that and is. Look, and like and to uh, make it clear, it's not providing innovation. So it doesn't mean that somebody living with a spinal cord injury using this piece of equipment uh, is will then... It is assistance device. Yes. Yeah. But one thing that it does that is really cool, or at least in one of the examples that I saw, is it's set up in a way that, um, you know, as you're sort of standing, the load is still through the patient's legs, which is super mm. important for bone mineral density. Yeah, yeah. Um, so... And even that grand reaction of when the feet land... Bone density, fantastic circulation, uh, health of those joints because of the circulation. The only way your body can, you know, um, send nutrients to an area is through the blood system on, and the lymphatic system. But, you know, that that whole process is really slowed down, just like we were talking about with pressure sores. Low circulation can cause a lot of issues. So, you know, having that circulation, getting up every day as opposed to never getting up is a great... A great thing to those people to have that opportunity to get up and walk around and you know and upstairs you know they they're walking upstairs they can walk upstairs just fine yeah and then when they want to they can literally they can use the device to just sit down but they don't sit down on anything because it's a mechanical oh, yeah, you know thing they can just sit down Go, it's like those people chair. you see in the middle of Queen Street Mall. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. You know, like the ties <laughs> hanging out the sides. Yeah, the um, yeah, just cool things like that where you can see how the, the machine is better than the human in a way. Like yeah. little things like that, and it it will literally get like that. It will get the innovation will get I think crazy in you know a number of years yeah there was a quote actually that um i heard while sort of researching a lot of these new technologies and it was once you remove the brain from the limits of the physical body um the limit is our imagination which i thought was a really cool quote because like i said the idea of an exoskeleton has not just been hypothesized in the context of a disability but you know, essentially creating some sort of like superhuman capability with the support of an exoskeleton is something that's been thought of. I'm yep. sure there's comics about it. I mean, you're a bigger comic fan than 100% I am. Hundred percent, there is. Iron Man. That's <laughs> yeah. probably he's a, is number that a one. No. Yeah. Um, but uh, good quote, and that kind of leads into the next area of uh, devices, which are brain implants. Yeah, uh, I think you did a little bit more reading into the brain implants than I did. Is this so? Essentially, a brain implant. And I know Neuralink, and I think it's you know um, N U E R A Link. Neuralink is a under the same umbrella as Tesla. Like Elon Musk runs it, um, and they're planting chips inside of. Um, I think they're still on animal testing at this point, uh, but the animals are able to uh, use computers. Can literally, you know, a chimpanzee can control a computer with his brain, and if that doesn't blow you away what will you know like like, it's crazy because the potential only increases with the intricacy of the human brain that's exactly right so because they've already created computer chips and computing that is thousands of times faster than a human brain can comprehend what uh, what's the potential of putting one of these things into your brain and actually boosting your cognitive function? It seems pretty high to me, you know? So little things like that, you know, whether they use that in particular to then control particular devices, say an exoscoot suit, so the controlling is seamless. You can, 
you know, th- they'll get better at building these things and um, using more um, human movements, I guess. Um, and you can control those seamlessly with your brain. Problem solved in a way, in mobility. Yeah. Problem solved. You know? Were you also talking about as well where they have this idea that essentially you could have a chip that's inserted in the brain and then maybe another chip that's inserted below yeah. the level of injuries? So yeah, yeah. So even things like that, they've been hypothesized a fair bit. And the theories, the theory sounds difficult, but the technology is just it's in advancing you know when when's it going to stop it doesn't look like it is so you know after getting a chip in your brain getting another chip below the level of lesion and then just sending those coordinated um electrical signals to the chip that fires it down the spinal cord or the rest of the remainder of the spinal cord um and then you have innovation to then propagate those signals yeah, yeah because if we haven't gone over it before essentially when you have a lesion to the spinal cord it's essentially a road that is now blocked uh, so a yeah. signal coming from the brain to innovate somewhere below. If there is a lesion uh, through that, I suppose, travel path, Pathway, it yep. will no longer get through. But yep. if you could skip that lesion using something like a chip, I mean, that would be absolutely crazy. Insane. Yeah, and yeah. it's actually similar to another piece of equipment, or not necessarily a piece of equipment, but another innovation that I'd seen, which was, um, I can't remember the, the particular scientist's name, but he sort of pioneering this like decoding of the neural network of the brain and Mm. when you do enough of that essentially what you can do is you can sort of decode simple motor movements so you can understand where a motor movement originates in the Mm. central nervous system or from Mm. the brain and by using sort of a, a piece of equipment you can essentially have that seamless what you were saying before in terms of the chip you can have this seamless sort of engagement or activation of an exoskeleton mm. just by using your own thought and not yeah, necessarily right. having to cro- control with your hand so it's yeah, right. it's crazy and i guess no implant then if no, you just wear I, like I a i believe it was like a helmet i mean i've seen those you know those cerebro things that people wear with all the points and they can pick up brain activity but yeah, that's, that's a lie. It requires direct implants oh, into okay. the brain. Yeah, but okay, that's probably right. better because uh, that would be easier, I suppose, than wearing a helmet the entire yeah. time. I mean, brain well, brain surgery is pretty tricky. Well, so. if you look up some of the Neuralink stuff as well, like Elon Musk is kind of talking about... Like, There's so much footage on him talking about this stuff, but, um, you know, the the insert's tiny. You know, They take out this little tiny bit and then it's gone. You know, that heals up. The scar's gone and, um, you know, no, one even, no one's any the wiser that you have this brain super brain chip would you sign yourself up for uh i get two of them yeah (laughs) Yeah. i need it (laughs) i need all the help i can get so i'll uh i'm on the short list which is a long list i assume (laughs) yeah but innovations like that and the more you kind of come across them you look into them you know, some of them aren't going to work out and that's, that happens all the time, but it's always interesting and um, enlightening to find out what people are actually thinking about to solve the problem of movement paralysis. Yeah, well, one, one more, um, you know, thing that I saw, which is still crazy, but probably not as like further down the line as the other innovations that we've just spoken about was these... Uh, or like the innovation of prosthetics. So I saw something which was essentially for like the shank or like the lower part of your lower limbs um, where the prosthetic is using 3D printing. It's like perfectly um, formulated in accordance with someone's body. And if there is like residual muscle left uh, above the level of the amputation, Mm. 
uh, they can essentially feed into the, the neural engagement at those muscles and then this prosthetic gets real-time feedback no. and I'm telling yeah, you that no. this is a thing. No, no, no. Either I'm doing a bad job at controlling this, but the way that it works is like this this no, prosthetic foot awesome. will, yeah, that's in so real cool. time sort of adjust to different, uh, like what's the word, like terrains yep. and the speed that you're walking. Because if you're walking or running the way that you strike with the foot or push with the toe, it's completely different at a different speed. So, yeah, this thing uh, is... When, when I suppose when you see the researcher, you see the equipment that they're using, it actually seems pretty, like, I suppose, realistic to be a piece of technology that we might use sooner rather than later. Yeah, right. Probably not cheap. Um, oh, but definitely, is. yeah, nothing it's is. not, we're not awaiting the neural decoding. Um, right. Which sounds difficult enough, I think. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So thank God they've nutted that bit out. <laughs> and then we can move on to the building something cool. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean, was there anything in terms of that, um, in terms of the movie, uh, Breathe, um, true story about innovation of technology at the time, uh, really puts a perspective on how bad polio was back in the day. He wouldn't take, you know, no for an answer in a way. And he really pushed to live his life. And he did that through, um, you know, pushing the limits, I guess. Pushing the limits of technology and thought and innovation. So, I thought it was a great movie. Yeah, and in doing all that, he, he well and truly changed the world, I think. Yeah. Uh, and changed the lives of many people. And I think you said earlier in the podcast... Huge, yeah. Uh, ventilators haven't changed a whole bunch over the last... Yeah, I don't um, think like so. Like 50, 60 years. So, and he's essentially... I mean, essentially again, like engineering-wise, we're not the best. But looking at you know um progressions you know online it seems mechanically very similar to what they were back then yeah I air, air pumping I, in I one think way a battery me. ventilator will last and i could be very uh, long here i didn't do the most extensive google search <laughs> but i i got like four to eight hours was a pretty standard yeah, okay. battery life for a ventilator and they don't really touch on how long a battery or the ventilator will last in this movie but I'm sure you got yeah. at least one or two. If you got Couple one hours. or two hours in like the Couple 60s and now we're at four to eight, this guy's doing okay. Yeah, he's killing it. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, cool. So anything else to add from that movie, Age? No, just that it's a good movie. It's worth checking out. Um, actually, I have one more sort of point, I guess, which mm-hmm. is based on what you see uh, with these you know, new technologies and even in the context of the film itself... There is, I suppose, this idea that, you know, without too much else going on, there is the potential to eliminate physical disability. Not necessarily uh, reinvigorate innovation, you know, intrinsically to the body, yep. but disability in terms of mobility. Uh, yes. we could, it's, it's very yes. plausible. In fact, it's very likely yes, that absolutely. at some point in the near future, it will not be a... It will be a thing of the past. And... Yeah, it's a matter of time, you know, as we said before, it's, and it's so exciting, you know, especially working with um, so many people who have um, mobility um, dysfunction, it is such a cool thing to think that that's, that could be a thing in our lifetime that we can see, you know, people being able to use and, you know, get, and having these catastrophic injuries won't be so catastrophic anymore, which would be 
Which would be really cool. Would be really cool. Yeah. And if you hear of anything else, if there's, uh, if we've spoken of a uh, technology uh, slightly incorrectly, which it would only be slight, yeah. uh, or very incorrectly, or if you, yeah, if you know of any, any yeah, or any cool others stuff that we'd love to hear about, yeah, hit us up. Guarantee you, we will. You hit us up. Drop a comment. Um, like and subscribe. Like, I think, yep. Like and subscribe for show. And uh, yeah. And thank you. And thank you very much. I've been Harry. I've been AJ. And we've been B Physiology. Have a good night. You're listening to Be Real, Series 1 of the Unaware Podcast. I feel like I'm more aware now.